0: Learn more at marines.com. Hey, 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 this is NFL Hall of Famer, Ray Lewis. I'm excited to announce my new podcast, Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis podcast. I'll be talking with friends, family members, old teammates, athletes, celebrities, moguls, and guess what? I'll be talking to you. Listen, this is all in the search for Everyday Greatness. So I'm asking you to come along with me on this ride. Download new episodes of Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on PodcastOne.com. It's not what you have. It's what's inside of you
1: that actually inspires greatness. It is the August fifth sixth i don't know one of these days they all kind of schrodinger like, state yeah and uh we've got a great podcast for you we have got cliff April and our very own solomon wilcotts and we're going to talk pass rush first coverage uh it's a great conversation that's all we've got so let's rock <laughs> Eric, this conversation that we're about to have is one that we have had together all the time, and I'm just really glad that now we've got someone else besides the two of us yammering back and forth.
2: I said this last podcast, but I feel like having a conversation where somebody else is there to keep us honest is about as good as it gets. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, Cliff and Solomon were amazing. You know, and and I really like. You know, sort of the the give and take. I like the fact that you know they both acknowledge both sides and sort of and and this question, where is like what's more important? We know that the answer is neither one's the most important, and the other one's nothing. Yep. You know, how, where do we stand on this? I, I you know, it, it's just gonna be it's gonna be fun.
1: It's a great conversation. Um, before we jump into that, there have been some other good conversations we've had. You should check out the other podcasts if you have not. We had Mina Kimes on earlier this week. She, we talked a little bit about pass rush and coverage there and the diversity in coverage. That was a really interesting conversation. You should go check that out. Um, and then we've talked to a bunch of other people uh, over the course of the summer. So we hope that you've enjoyed it. We'll try and get a few more in as we uh, get ready for the season. Which, by the way, I want to check in. Where's the optimism meter at?
2: I was saying this the other day. I mean, I'm higher now just because...
1: You, you're higher. Yeah, okay.
2: Baseball munchies or well look <laughs> when's the last thing you've heard about baseball george
1: the last thing i've heard about baseball uh is
2: like two days ago
1: yeah i guess that just like something and, and about I, the, I, something I, about I, the marlins I, I, i'm players. not trying to make
2: a moral statement here but the fact that baseball has sort of quote gotten over this mm-hmm. and are you know playing yeah. on
1: people are forgetting
2: yeah i mean i think from a perspective of you know the the question of whether they should have a season is different but i think that they're going to at least i think the nfl has a blueprint now for yeah preparing better than the other leagues at least baseball and then how to deal with a crisis if it ever struck so i'm pretty po- i'm pretty optimistic about the nfl college football they're starting to put schedules out so at yeah. least yeah
1: there's I'm, some contingency there i guess so i i was thinking about this yesterday i actually i'm worried that baseball Seems to be plowing through. I would prefer that we get people that really take this seriously, and I think one of those ways is to see things. You know what could happen if you don't. Um, but I, I, one of the things I was thinking about is there's no way the NFL doesn't have some contingency plan. I, how would you not be like, look, if if things get worse, here's how we can put you know divisions in a bubble. You brought that that idea up. Like, how could you not have that? I just think there's got to be one of those plans um that, that you can implement should everything hit the fan
2: yeah i think they are i mean they were unprepared a month ago i, I would know. say You're, you
1: well, think they do i if you if you think they do then i'm willing to take that uh and and just pretend it's real yeah,
2: i mean the, the issue is <laughs> though is it looks like they're preparing to start the season yeah september 1st or september 1st ish right yep once the season starts the owners are pretty committed financially to the season happening. True. And I think that that's part of the reason why baseball, you see Manfred's just like, I'm not a quitter, which is kind of silly. But, like, you know, like, if, if this, once the season starts, I think, you know, and everything that's moving up to this, there aren't as many super spreader possibility events True. as, you know, after the season starts. But after the season starts, there's a ton of incentive for them to play on. Um, it's also why college football is less likely of a proposition just because, you know more of those. There's, yeah. yeah, there's more of those, and there's not the financial. You know,
1: you yeah, know. it's it's more spread out. It's, it's less, less like uh, concentrated in the yeah. owner. Right?
2: Although, again, I, I think I think college football will get some sort of college football. I, it's just I don't. I think the NFL is going to look very very functional by by uh, comparison.
1: We've got some cool stuff coming your way as well on the, the product side. We actually got a college football product. I'm not going to give you a date yet, but it's coming soon. You'll want to check that out. Um, So let's get into it. Cliff Averill and Solomon Wilcox. All right, this has been a long time coming, and this is going to be a lot of fun. You've heard me and Eric debate pass rush versus coverage. Solly's been a part of these conversations a little bit, but he's biased because he played on the coverage (laughs) side of things. And we now have all groups in the same place because Cliff Averill – from a, from a very sunny location, I can see here, <laughs> is joining us. Um, Seahawks pass rusher extraordinaire, obviously started with Detroit, but you know him because he was a part of that dynamic uh, Seahawks defense. Honestly, I would say, Cliff, maybe you'll disagree with me here, but I think you'll agree, that pass rush was an undervalued part of how good that defense was.
2: Yeah, I mean. Somebody
1: recognizes it. Somebody recognizes
3: it. Yes, it was very undervalued. (laughs) Very undervalued. Well, not from the players, but, you know, the media and the notoriety and different things like that. Yeah, I think it was uh, definitely, um, you know, underrated in a sense.
2: People forget that you played in Detroit and were good before you got to Seattle. And people also forget that Michael Bennett, who you played with, played in Tampa Bay and was wearing, like, you know, it was good. <laughs> yeah, 72 or some weird <laughs> yeah, number. And yeah. then goes yeah. to Seattle, and you guys both signed. Same year. Same year in 2013. And, like, you know, changed the complexion of that entire team, even though, you know, they had hit on a bunch of secondary players early and, you know, Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, you know, that, you know, it kind of – you guys did take it over the top in 2013. Um, you know, and you came in right away. It was like 65 pressures right away. It's like, you know, that pretty pretty good – bargain that they got
1: cliff, cliff would you t- talk about why it's such an it was such an important part of that defense because the legion of boom is everyone immediately thinks of the coverage guys but what did mm-hmm. the pass rush do for that defense
3: well honestly legion boom was one of the reasons i went to seattle yeah. um you know any db any great db will tell you that you know, they're only as good as their front four, right? And I will say, as a pass rusher, you're only as good as the guys on the back end as well. So it goes hand in hand. But uh, as far as for, you know, what we were able to do with Seattle in the pass rush, you know, we joke around in the locker room all the time. You know, uh, when i talking to Sherm and, and Cam Chancellor and all those guys, like, hey, you guys were pretty good. But to the big three guy here, which is the D-line, which was myself, uh, Michael Bennett, and Tony uh, – mcdaniels you guys were good but you weren't great right (laughs) and and you know that's kind of the joke in the locker room and whatnot and we and and they understand where we're coming from when when we talk about that Uh, you know we both depended on each other to be successful and we did kind of take them over the top as far as for being able to apply pressure getting sacks and different things like that and being able to put our footprint on games as well
1: because you guys didn't blitz a lot right it was it It was a lot of just four yeah we didn't
3: have to we didn't have to you talk about myself Bruce Irvin uh Chris Clemens at the time Michael Bennett you know the list is long Frank Clark all these guys we didn't have to blitz we you knew what we were going to do when we lined up and it was one of those things like hey you just got to deal with it
2: when when you're playing when you're when you're rushing the passer how valuable is it to have a guy like Sherman where a quarterback has to pat the ball uh, at least once or twice and you know, the quick game isn't so accessible, right? And you have, you know, there. I can imagine in a game where you're playing somebody like Drew Brees or Tom Brady or something, when they can consistently get rid of the ball in two and a half seconds, that it's got to be frustrating for a defensive lineman. And one of the things that we were thinking about in that, as you said, the relationship between coverage and pass rush, how nice is it to have a coverage team that can't be beat in two and a half seconds or less?
3: Exactly. That was the thing, right? You look at uh, Tom Brady when we played um, him, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, I mean, the list is long as far as for throwing their timing off. Everything is timing with these guys. You talk about Tom Brady, everything is timing with them, right? So in order for your pass rush to be able to get there, you have to throw their timing off a little bit from, from you know, your DBs jamming them up and different things like that, understanding their, route, uh, their routes as well. And also on my end, understanding that I don't have that much time as well to get there. So, again, everything is timing, understanding that I know Sherm and, and whoever else is on the other side, whether it be Brandon Brown or Maxwell, whoever is on the other side, they're going to give us that split-second to get after the quarterback, but now look, we got to get there in that split second, or it gets bad for yeah. those guys as well. So again, timing was key.
2: Well, and Solomon, when you're when you were playing DB, like how, how frustrating was it when you're, you know the the players in front of you couldn't get home, like it having to cover when you think you only have to cover for a certain amount of time, and you know for whatever reason a blitz doesn't get home or a, or you know the, the defensive ends can't you know get rushed up the field, and you're thinking okay, the timer's going off, it's two and a half seconds three seconds three and a half seconds how much harder does it get for you
0: you mean like in Super Bowl 23 when Joe Montana went 90 yards for a (laughs) game-winning drive and and we couldn't get any pressure on him and yeah you just you know you're at their mercy because I think to Cliff's point um, coverage you know we can't hold up all day we tend to win early in the phase of the play And then the pass rush, they tend to win in the later phase Mm. of the play. So that's really how the two are integrated to work very well together. The secondary has to win immediately after ball is snapped. And then coverage has to get home uh, the deeper we go into the phase of the play. If the quarterback's going to hold on to the ball, then pass rush really has to get there. If pass rush doesn't get there late, secondary's got no shot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the defense Mm -hmm. has got no shot. And so – yeah, on the back end, we get very frustrated, and that's why as we started to see mobile quarterbacks coming into the league, guys who could run but could also shred you. You know, guys like John Elway was that way, Steve Young was that way, and obviously the Mike Vicks come to mind. Uh, but they could break you down, buy more time. Guys like Cliff Avril, you know, Cam Newton's just as fast as he is, right? You know, yeah. these guys start running around, they buy time, and now you're really in a state of flux when it comes to pressure and the back end and coverage.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. And, and, you know, when you look at – when you look at that symbiotic relationship, when you guys were in Cincinnati in 88 for that Super Bowl, I mean, you didn't have a double-digit sack guy on your team, right? But you guys were really good in the back end, and, you know, that defense was, was, you know, good enough to make the Super Bowl as a result. Whereas, you know, you guys in Seattle – I mean, Cliff, you had, what, three or four double-digit sack seasons, depending upon how you count them. You probably like our way since we give you a full sack for every half sack. But, you know, the, the you know, you guys had so many players who could get home, um, you know, then that, that some of the interception numbers weren't as high as they were for the Bengals in 88.
3: Yeah. I, no, it, I'm, I, oh, go ahead, Cliff. I'll oh, we'll let you go. Go no, ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I, I think, I mean, again, it goes hand in hand. Um, you know, I'm sure it's a lot harder for a DB uh, you know when they don't have a pass rush, right? You know because covering for more than three seconds—that's that's that's probably one of the hardest things to do in the NFL as an athlete in any sport, mm-hmm. right? But also on the on the other end too is if that quarterback can get the ball out quick, you know it's it's extremely hard for a pass rusher to be able to get uh get home as well. So it definitely goes hand in hand. Let me ask you. Know, you. We, yeah, we. I'm sorry, I just want to answer that question as well.
0: Uh, Dick LeBeau used to tell us that. Um, you know, there's two positions that get you beat quick in football. One mm-hmm. is the quarterback position. We know the offense goes through him. If he doesn't have a good day, nobody's going to have a good day. But he said on the back end in the secondary that if we make one mistake back there, the official usually standing in the end zone, holding up both hands, singling a touchdown. And he wanted to wanted us to know that it was really on us, that we didn't mm-hmm. get to come back to the huddle and complain about – The lack of pressure. That's just how he took that excuse away from us. But we do know that both are really fundamental to playing good defense. Uh, Yes, and I think, George, you said earlier I am a little bit biased because that's because we were taught to put it all on us. We know that sometimes if you look back at the Super Bowl with the 49ers and the Chiefs, the 49ers are bringing the heat. Mm -hmm. They got to Mahomes. But you know what happens late in games, and so, I, I've seen this all on. too well. So, those, big, those big, guys get tired, man. They get tired. And even, guess what? So, and in that secondary, you're on well, your Cliff, own. Well, I'm, we'll I'm, a, I'm a
1: play. 49ers. I'm a 49ers fan. I was born in the Bay Area, and every, <laughs> Sorry, and there, this man. guy's a Chiefs fan. Eric's a Chiefs fan. We went to the Super Bowl together. <laughs> I had to endure that next to big, big homie Chief over here. I was very and, nice. And now Solly is bringing up oh, the coverage that's... breakdown. Uh, against Wasp, and
2: it's, it's,
3: it's
0: well, PTSD. But the
2: other side of this that, that was so interesting is if you look, your former teammate, Cliff, uh, Frank Clark, he got the sack on fourth down to basically win the game. Right. Thanks. That sack, the pressure was in three and a half seconds. Garoppolo had the ball three and a half seconds before he was even pressured, mm-hmm. and the Chiefs brought six or seven players and like they just covered on the back end, and then Clark gets a sack, and he's I think rightfully praised, obviously yeah. for that. Didn't give up. And we, d- we we watch the broadcast, and we just see the mayhem on the quarterback, and we don't see the coverage. And then there are other plays where, like, I'm thinking of the 2018 AFC Championship game. The Chiefs come in, Justin Houston, D. Ford, Chris Jones, all great sack players. Mm-hmm. And the whole game, the narrative is, gosh, they can't get to Brady. Well, then you go and look at the statistics, and it's like he's throwing the ball in 2.17 seconds, and that gives you guys no shot because they can't win. Mm-hmm. They can't win early in the and, down. And, and, the coverage,
0: makes... and the coverage couldn't hold up on the back end mm-hmm. uh, for, for the Chiefs in that game. So yeah. uh, when, that, when that coverage breaks down, just like in the Super Bowl, it took one play, Emmanuel Mosley on a third and 15 play. Look, uh, uh, Nick Bosa is bringing it. You know, all those guys up front were bringing it, yeah. but you got one guy fall asleep on the back end. <laughs> that's, well, that's how it all and unfolds.
2: That, and that pressure really did affect Mahomes. It was the worst game he's ever played until the fourth quarter. Like the pressure certainly impacted him. through two interceptions exactly. in the second half. You know, that that offense wasn't scoring. And and as you said, the the you know the pressure has got to be constant, which is a puts a lot of pressure on guys like Cliff. You know, that do every single down. But then that the coverage, it's more like pressure is more of a winning thing. Coverage is more of mm-hmm. like a don't lose thing. And the one time yeah. you lose, it kills you.
3: No question. It, it definitely does. Now, what I will say as far as for coverage, um, you know, DBs are definitely needed and, and we, we need them for the pass rush. But you can eliminate one DB out of, OK, you know what? We're not throwing it towards Cern, right? We're not <laughs> throwing it that way. We're going to play the other side of the field. We get the quick games going over there. But as a pass rusher, there's really none of that. Yes, we rotate, so we don't really get tired, like like you're saying a little bit. We rotate. <laughs> you better rotate. rotate. You better rotate. <laughs> we rotate. <laughs> so we're fresh on second down, second and long, third and long. We're fresh. We're good to go. There you so go. don't worry about that. But but what I will say is. The pressure has to be consistent, right? Mm-hmm. If a quarterback has more than three seconds to, to, my, my goal was to get to the quarterback in 2.5, 2.6, right? Because the Tom Brady's of the world, they're getting it out in 2 1, 2 2, and it's that precise, right? And understanding that. But if you don't have a DB that's, ter- that's throwing that timing off a little bit for you, you'll never get there. But like you just said again, you know, if, if your pass rush is, is subpar and quarterback's got three, four seconds, Mahomes gets three and a half seconds to throw the rock or, or whoever. They're going to torture you day in and day out.
0: And that's just how it is. Yeah. I, I will say this. I want to add. There's, I think there's three ways that you can negate pass rush. Um, and, and offenses try to do this all the time. Quick passing game, right? You get the ball out yep. quick. Last I checked, you can't hit the quarterback if he's not holding on to the ball. So you mm-hmm. get rid of it quick. Mm-hmm. It negates pass rush. Ability to move the pocket. And, and that's something that Mahomes did late in the game. He got it mm-hmm. out quick. They start moving the pocket indicates pass rush play action, max protection. Oh man. Defensive linemen get frustrated with that because they they know they're not getting home. And so um, I I think those are three ways. And then at the end of the day, the secondary is kind of left on an Island and all of those and all those scenarios. And they have to hold up. They don't get to make excuses. Well, coach, they did this and coach, they did that. And, And to that point, Cliff, I can tell you right now, they were never rotating us in the secondary, man. We're we a <laughs> hundred y'all are hundred and fifty pounds. You don't have to race race. Right? We like 60, seventy. we gotta rotate. Yeah. Baby. We're like uh, greyhounds, man. We're like one, greyhounds. We got one,
2: one of the things that you left out of that list, Solomon, which I think also speaks to why you guys in Seattle were so good is if you get a lead. Once oh, you have a correct. lead, then The play-action pass doesn't, you know, like there's not as – you guys don't have to care as much about the run. And then, you know, you can't nickel and dime your way up the field when you're down by 14 points. You you need to take chances. And, like, all you guys want, Cliff, is a a seven-step drop out of the quarterback every once in a while, right? And that that's going to be more likely to happen, you know, now that you guys got Russ and obviously Marshawn and then offensive line was a lot better back then than it is now. And then Doug Baldwin and all the – Sidney Rice eventually was on the team. And, like, that was – a huge deal as well, and you know you get a lead, you know, and all these things can work even more uh, symbiotic.
1: Let me ask you this, Cliff, because you but, brought up something, Solly, that that I love to talk about, and I would make this statement. I'm curious if you agree, Cliff. Teams do not run enough play action.
3: Oh well, I, I think you have to have a running game in order for that play action to be effective. You, you do. Know I mean, okay. if if, you, if if you're not running the ball really well, I don't care about your
1: players. Interesting. You know okay, I mean, that's why I brought this up. I'm, I'm, yeah,
3: I'm not thinking about your play action. Now, now you know, there, there's little details that tell me, you know, if you only have 20 yards in the first half and your play action, it, uh, well, I don't care. You know, my guys mm-hmm. in the middle will handle that. You know, we'll get you and it, it'd be third and long, anyways, right? So it just depends on that offense for me to care about your play action. Now, if you're running the ball really well and you got a quarterback that can take shots like a Russell Wilson or something like that, okay, now, you know, okay, Marshawn's back there. I got to. Got to set the edge. Oh, shoot. Now it's play action. Get upfield, you know. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have a running game. It doesn't really matter.
1: That, it's so interesting that you say that. I think that's definitely what, th- that's what people, you know, would say. And one of the interesting things that, you know, in looking at the data, whether you are running more or more effectively, play action is still successful now. And, um, you know, just looking at, say, the first half of the game. So does it take, you know, if I come out and the first play of the game is play action, I mean, you're gonna. It's gonna slow you down a little bit, right?
3: Yeah, you gotta. You gotta honor it. You know, it's the first play of the game. It's fifty-fifty. Yeah. It's 50-50 how how long?
1: Right? How long does it take before you go? Okay, that they, they can't run the ball. I'm out. You know where? Where was it? Was it coming out of halftime? Was it the end of the first quarter? Was there ever a time where you were like, now I know? Because my thought would be, there's always a little bit of, you know, I just don't want to give up a run now. I've stopped right. them so far, but damn it, I'm not going to give up one more.
3: It, it, it also is based off of your film study too, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, there's a lot of tells that come with that, a lot of indicators that will come with that as well, right? So if it's second and long, and all week long I've been seeing that this is a play action down for you guys, mm-hmm. I'm not honoring your play action. I'm getting that field, right? Now, your guys in the middle, they have to play it normal. They have to play it just in case they do run it down the middle. But I'm not – so there's different tells that will give you indicators of, hey – this team doesn't necessarily like to play action on these certain situations or whatnot. But once that third quarter rolls around, and we know you only have 20 yards of, of, of rushing or 30 yards of rushing, and we're up by team, there's no point in play action because I'm think I'm pinning my ears back and I'm going. I'm, we, I'm not. Hey, coach, I thought it was passed.
1: <laughs> we we finally found the reason you guys were so successful. You guys were doing analytics in the middle of the game
0: situational oh, that, he, that's he, what he it was, is that, was, that, you corners. guys are ahead of I, the curve yeah i, I want to go in and jump in here because there's was, there's was a couple of things first I, I remember when i was in minnesota we had a defensive line coach by the name of jt john Terling. He, he just recently passed away and and uh we did a lot to sort of legend um remember him but jt was a great defensive line coach on those defensive lines in minnesota we had two hall of famers john randall chris dolman he then goes and becomes the defensive line coach with the Indianapolis Colts. They had a couple mm-hmm. of really good edge rushers there as well, okay? <laughs> Dwight Freeney and um, Mathis. Uh, Robert Mathis. Mm-hmm. JT had a saying, and he would tell his lineman, you probably heard this, Cliff, we play the run on the way to the quarterback. On the, the way to the pass, yes. <laughs> he, he, uh, he told his defensive lineman, I don't even want you thinking about the running game. We go get the quarterback. <laughs> But that – I love JT for that. I remember I'm in the secondary. That's what I'm talking about. Like, there's no sense in you guys playing the run. Now, I think to Cliff's point, it's the second-level defenders who are put in that state of flux (laughs) of having to read through the mesh point, having to understand when they can take shots and go running up to the line of scrimmage. Because if you do that too many times, we have – we have – offenses can adjust to that. Mm -hmm. They go wide, pop, Mm -hmm. and the tight end gets right behind you. Bam, that – I'm telling you, guys, running until he gets his head on the goalpost. So the second-level defenders do have to honor that. But I think to George's point, I, the way that we coach at the second level, we we build it in so that play action always works. Because we mm-hmm. tell linebackers, you better give me that read step. It, it's third and 20. Why are you giving a read step? <laughs> I <can't laughs> like you're getting 15. ready to stop the run game. <laughs> and so I, I think to George's point, we've got some things that are inherent – in our game that allows play action to always work. And we really should be doing it like what Cliff said. We should be doing it based on situation and not just have these read-step fundamentals uh, built in our game so that play action, it it always
2: poses a threat, even if the run game isn't effective. Well, that's, I mean, you look at, like, Guys, our age, right in our mid thirties, you know, when we were coming don't, up, don't playing- put that evil on me. Stop. Okay, when we were <laughs> when we were coming up playing football fifteen twenty years ago, who was the MVP of the league back then? It was Emmett Smith? It was Sean Alexander. Yep. It was uh, you know Thurman Thomas. It was those guys. And the running backs. Yep. You learn you learn your football instincts when you're in peewees or you're in high school, and like it's really tough to tell a person who's like in their late 20s to say look I know that this is how you do your steps Mm -hmm. but now this late in your career we're going to teach you new tricks type of thing it's hard right and I I think like that's probably and then the other hard thing is running the football is so much more important in younger leagues than it is in the NFL you know when you're in peewee the running back is the best athlete on the field where by the time you get to the NFL the best athletes on the field are playing defensive end and tight end and wide receiver and quarterback (laughs) and like it's just so tough, right, because of the way that you're you're taught, right?
0: Well, uh, I'll go ahead and answer real quick. But, yeah, there's no doubt. I think the coaches have to be able to make the change. Many of the players that are coming into the league now, uh, if you go back to their local communities, they're slinging it in, in peewee football now. <laughs> I mean, they're playing in seven-on-seven leagues through high school. Yep. It, it's a, I mean, the whole state of Texas – when I was a kid, they ran the option and a coach got fired if they threw the ball more than five times in a game. <laughs> now, you go, now you go to the state of Texas, everyone's run a spread. Throw, throw, throw. So, no, they're coming into the league knowing that it's a throwing league. But these mm-hmm. coaches would be like, what is that? So you didn't learn how to play run defense when you were in college in that spread offense where everybody's holding up an emoji card. I'm going to teach you how to play the run. <laughs> and it's almost yeah. like they—it's like they take it out of them, you know. <laughs> I agree. That, that's kind of where we're at,
3: Cliff. No, I, I agree. I think I think it's it's more of teaching guys how to play the run now. You know, I mean, because you watch college, everything on college, everything yep. in college is we want to put those crazy yards, or we want quarterbacks to have five hundred yards yep. of. Of passing, and then you get into the NFL. It's like, oh, they run the ball here, <laughs> you know. But it's an adjustment for a lot of people. It's not just the linebackers, not just yep. the D linemen. It's an adjustment for the O linemen as well. Like O linemen have gotten, uh, they've gotten a little softer. <laughs> <They've> gotten, <laughs> that's they they have got that's a little softer, softer because they they're yeah. not yep. used to that smash mouth power ball. You know, getting downhill or any of that stuff. Yeah, so yeah. that changed up a little bit as well. So there's a lot of adjusting for a lot of people once they get to the NFL, as far as for adjusting for the pat or uh, adjusting for the run game more so than the pass. How it used yeah. to be was you had to adjust for the passing game. That's right.
2: You yeah. don't have to. You don't have to mince words there, uh, Cliff. The data I think also suggests that linemen on the offensive side of the ball are winning at rates that are decreasing. Uh, every year, <laughs> so uh, yeah. and that might Andy just be Reed, because of guys Andy like Reed you. But, it, about but, this. but I don't, yeah, I don't and, know. It might just be because the guys like you are so much more athletic now. But uh, but that that is true. It, it, I, I like to say, I like
1: to say that too. I would like to say we're more athletic <laughs> as well. <laughs> it, although I will say this, I in looking at where offensive linemen are going physically, there are some guys like I, I just talked to Brandon Brooks yesterday. And I was looking at like his Instagram beforehand Ooh. to kind of get a sense of what he's been up to. And I thought I was on Aaron Donald's Instagram because he had a picture. This dude has an eight pack. He's an offensive guard. Tyron Smith is no body fat. I was like, dude, what what are you doing? Like, are you, you know, what's going on here? And he's like, no, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to take care of myself. I'm trying to get more athletic because it's a a league now where these defensive tackles. I mean, Aaron Donald was playing defensive tackle, and he's one of the most athletic guys on every football field he steps on. So. You know, it maybe they just have taken – they're needing to take that next step to catch up.
2: Well, and, you know, you guys in Seattle, I mean, you were a left defensive end for a lot of time. And, like, back in the day, like, those guys used to be, you know, like – Ken Clark back in your day, uh, Solomon, like guys like that were run stuffers. They weren't pass rushers the way that, you know, and now these teams come out and they take Michael Bennett, who's a defensive end and play him over in the three technique. And it's like, does a guard really have a chance if he's not doing what Brandon Brooks is doing, you know, and, because back in the day, like, the, the, you know, your right defensive end was your pass rusher. And then every other guy was there to stop the run. And the Vikings were an outlier because John Randall was 260 playing, like, three-tech. But every other team, it was sort of like you got to stop the one, the Lawrence Taylor, right, the, the yeah. uh, Chris Dolman. But, like, you guys came at him with at least three or four guys who had defensive end-like athleticism. And that's just really tough mm-hmm. to, you know, and you guys were ahead of the curve. And now you see linemen sort of coming back and saying, well, we need to be more athletic, you know, just because we need to be able to, you know, pass protect against, you know, there's so many good three
1: techs in the league, for one, for example. True, true. Okay, I want to give, Cliff, I want to give you a chance here to state. So the the argument is, what's, what is more important? They're both important. We've talked about the symbiotic relationship between pass rush and coverage. Um, but make the case, or for, you can switch to coverage if you'd like. You know, Solly would, I'm sure, welcome you on his squad. <laughs> but uh make the case for for pass rush being more important than coverage
3: well it's 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 kind of an easy thing right i mean we hear the cliche it, mm-hmm. the game is won in the trenches right so um that being said yes stopping the run is part of that but Getting after quarterback, nobody, and and, and Solomon will agree, nobody wants to allow any quarterback to just sit back there and pack the ball for three, four, five seconds. I don't care who you are as a DB, my man Dion, whoever. You're not covering for five, six, seven. Like, it it just becomes impossible. So you need that pass rush. If you don't have that pass rush, your DBs won't be as good as they could be. Now, some of them still be elite, but if you look at the defenses, the top defenses over the last few years, all of them have a pretty good or pretty really good Pass team. Even if you look from last year, you talk about San Francisco, Pittsburgh, uh, 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 Baltimore, Buffalo. I mean, all those teams are some of the top teams in the, in the uh, NFL, yet they had a really solid pass rush. Talk about Chicago. I mean, the list is long. So those DBs that are pretty good, they probably have some really good uh, pass rushes up front as well.
0: Okay. So I'll go ahead and make the case okay. for pass coverage. And I have been able to see how pass coverage works without a pass rush. It's called Mm -hmm. 7-on-7, right? We do it every day. (laughs) And I remember going 7-on-7 against some really good quarterbacks, and they couldn't complete a pass. And I remember looking at the coach and saying, we ought to do this in the game. Can we just get the fat guys off the field? Can we get everybody? As long as you can't (laughs) run the ball, as long as you you can't run the ball, we oh, I think we can win games like this, right? And so I I go back. I tell you, one of the games I love, I'll go back and watch the tape even now. Because this kind of helps, I think, to prove my point how important uh, pass coverage is. And if you can't get pass coverage, I don't care how great the pass rush is, quarterbacks will shred you. I go back to a game against the 85 Bears. We know how dominant they were, right? I've heard of them. They were dominant when it comes to pressuring the quarterback, beating up. They would, they would petrify quarterbacks even before the first play but there was a Monday night game and it was the only game the bears lost that year It was in a Monday night game against a quarterback by the name of Dan Marino. You
1: may have heard of him. Yes. Heard of him as well.
0: I can tell you right now, um, right now, Richard Dent, Mike Singletary. They're still trying to get a hand on Marino because what Marino said is, look, I'm not holding this ball all night. Mm -hmm. I'm cutting it loose. And he had quick receivers who could get separation immediately guys like Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, Nat Moore, they won the game going away. They shredded the great 85 Bears defense for three touchdowns. He averaged about 20 yards per reception, per completion. Go check the numbers. He shredded them. Best pass rush against that passing team, there was no shot. You know what? You know what the Bears needed that night? They needed some pass coverage, by the way.
2: Here's an interesting. Okay, well, let me let me have a rebuttal. Have a rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> um, of
3: course, since we're t- storytelling, um, you know the Seahawks. I don't. I don't want to say we were like the 80, uh, eighty-five Bears, but our defense was pretty doggone good too, right? Same. The so year before, the same defense was really doggone good, but when they added those doggone pass rushers, they took them to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So, if we're looking at it from which one is needed more than the other? I think I, I would still, I mean, we're both going to be biased, right? We're going to go by the position we played. And, and I would still say the pass rush was a little bit more important because it didn't get up to the championship without that pass rush.
1: What, your, your point is great, though, in that, look, to be good and to go to the Super Bowl are different. And yeah. if you want to go to the Super Bowl, and Eric brings this point up a lot, which is, I think, really good. You, you've got to have special players. You got to have special units. You know the Chiefs had a special passing game. The Niners mm-hmm. had a special defense because they had both things together. There's very yeah. few teams, and the Patriots maybe are one, where they had Kyle Van Noy as their their best pass rusher. The, the Detroit Lions let him go as an, you know an off ball linebacker, but that's because Bill Belichick's brilliant and he's scheming up pressure like no one else can. Yeah. But if you really do want to go to the Super Bowl, it's great to have both. That can push you over, over the top. I, one of the things, Cliff, that I think about a lot is, and you uh, both, both you guys mentioned this, is the sequence that things happen and how quarterbacks today, Patrick Mahomes, is, people love him because he can spin around and you know, lengthen the play and then make an incredible throw down field. The, the Chiefs have more quick game than just about anybody. He's slicing and dicing mm-hmm. you up in under two point five seconds. And if I have to if I have to choose one thing, I'm gonna choose coverage that will at least give my pass rushers two and a half seconds and worry about my pass rush at that point. So if I if I have to choose one, that's the order of operations matters for me there.
2: Yeah, I think
3: I think but it would be but the, reason, but the reason you're throwing it so quick mm-hmm. is because you're afraid of the pass rush.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, because yeah, it's not no, seven we, on we seven, have, right? Quarter, the quarterback knows he can't hold it all day. We, uh, I think it was Mike Tomlin said that the quarterback position, that football, him holding it, <clears throat> it's like holding onto a loaded hand grenade. Sooner or later, it's going to go off. Bad things happen when quarterbacks hold onto the football. But, but uh, that's why I use the um, the analogy of going seven on seven. Sooner or later, they got to throw it. They can't. They don't have all day. And so, yeah, he's got to get rid of it because that pass rush does pose a threat. But I think to George's point, at the end of the day, if we can force him to hold it, if coverage can force him to hold it, if you can't get there then, well, I know you can get there, (laughs) I know you can get there, right? But you'd be surprised, huh? You know, if we can't get there then, man, we got to go get some new guys because you know that if we can force him to hold it, it's playing in our favor on defense I think, as a whole.
1: Cliff, just to, to answer your point, I think that happens a lot, but there are still times, you know, quarterbacks still run quick game, even when, you know, they'll run it against the Lions. The Lions can, you know, rush the passer to save their lives. The reason is that if you can get rid of the ball quickly, it, you can get rid of the bad things that can happen, right? You know, you got your quarterback and he just happens to, you know, decide to slide a little to the left and he, you know, loses the ball, whatever. If you can get rid of the ball quickly and guys are open, you're just slicing and dicing them all the way down the field. I mean, it's like the Patriots, you know, when Brady was at his peak. They would just do that so consistently. Um, and if you, are, if you are bad enough in coverage to let that happen, who wouldn't do that?
2: The, the last pre-Cliff Avril Seahawks game in the Georgia Dome, the old Georgia Dome, the Atlanta oh, Falcons beat the Seahawks 30-28. to 28. Matt Ryan dropped back 36 times, no sacks. Three three touchdowns, two interceptions. There you go. So, Proof. so, well, and he was a 95 passer grade in our rating system when no pressure happened, a 47 and 3.8 yards per attempt with two interceptions when pressured. That was probably, that game probably got you that contract, Cliff. Oh no!
3: That, that, no, they, that that game definitely got me that contract to go to Seattle. That we got Michael Bidded as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, we need some pass rushers because we know uh, we can't do it without them. I think so so. Yeah. that's exact, that's that's my point. Exactly. I think that I think
2: your point though that because we talk about this all the time. I think you'll have a very hard time being an average defense if your coverage is terrible. I think that I think that you have a a very hard time to being a great defense if either one coverage or pass rush is terrible. Mm-hmm. The, that defense was good before the pass rush got there, and the pass rush made it great, like one of the best of all, you know, best defenses of all time, frankly. And, but like, So that's kind of like where the debate is. It's probably not one answer, but I do, think, I do think it's harder to be average as a defense and win as a defense with no coverage. Because you're just getting sliced up. <laughs> I mean, you just can't. Like the, yeah. a, the offense has so much control over what happens yeah. in the game that they can
1: choose to throw quickly. Well, and that's the thing, right? Cliff, you talked about Super Bowls. It, people measure things in Super Bowls. And mathematically, which is you know our day jobs, you look at all the seasons, right? And you think about how many wins a team has, even if they didn't make it to the Super Bowl. But everyone has forgotten about those teams. We only remember the ones that actually go on and win. And so looking at it through both lenses is important because, yeah, winning games is nice, but winning Super Bowls is what, yeah. what actually matters. This has, been, this has been an absolute blast. I, I do have a couple quick hitter questions for you though. Um I w- I will offer you a chance to come out to Cincinnati and visit us uh yeah. if you invite <laughs> us out to oh, to not- record a podcast <laughs> with you. Uh yeah let's
3: do it let's do it let's All do right. it. Um uh, I think that's an even
1: exchange of that- some sort. <laughs> oh, yeah. have great fried chicken <laughs> <though>. <laughs> So, Solly will invite us over to the to the house and uh, cook us up some good stuff. Who's, who's the pass that, rusher right now that you enjoy watching the most?
3: Man, I love I love watching
1: just pass rushers in general,
3: but my favorite right now would have to go with Von Miller. I've been a big fan of his mm-hmm. even when I was playing. I mean, just consistent, uh, which is the hardest thing to do in the NFL to be consistent. Uh, Jordan um, Cam Jordan down there mm-hmm. with the Saints, beast. I don't think he gets enough credit. And then Chandler Jones, man, that's the the, the biggest sleeper in the that, NFL yeah. to me. Yeah. He's the biggest sleeper in the NFL. He's an unorthodox type of pass rusher, but he gets after him, man. He's consistent. So I, I, those three would probably be my, my top three. and Nick Khalil, of course. Yeah, You I
0: know think, what's the surprising thing? Because I agree with you with Chandler Jones. And Bill, Bill Belichick, you know, we sort of praise him for all of his genius. He decided not to pay the pass yeah, rusher. Or Trey Flowers. And to pay the cover corner and Stefan Gilmore, who, by the way, was MVP on defense side man. of the ball last year. So I, 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 I know I'm still making my point we're, here. We're Cliff, gonna, but... Look,
1: Sally, save some ammunition for the Hawaii trip, okay? Yeah, yeah, we, I know, we're I know. still trying to seal, seal the trip a little man. bit. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, right. Cliff, what are, you, what are you working on now? Is there anything that uh, we should pay attention to or be looking for uh, you showing up down the road?
3: Well, speaking of pass rushing, I have a pass rush academy that I've, I've uh, kind of uh, grown over this last couple of years since I've retired. This year I've had a wide range of guys from the Seahawks. C- I pretty much have the entire Seahawks D-line, Bobby Wagner, a few guys that come through and, and rush with me. Uh, it's called SAC 360 Seattle. Um, check it out. You know, there's an Instagram. Uh, Instagram is SAC 360 Seattle. Um, but, yeah, just, just trying to get back some of the knowledge, man. That's the one thing I've realized uh, since I've been done is You know, over a 10-year run, you just start to pick up on a wide range of different things that Mm -hmm. you kind of take for granted that some of these young players might possibly know. So for me, it's just all about giving back and and trying to get these guys, uh, you know, to the quarterback and hopefully get paid as well.
1: Well, here's the great thing. We'd love for you to come spread that knowledge here in Cincinnati, and it's only right that we extend extend the offer since you've been so generous um so our our doors are open we would love to have you, here. you. come Thank hang you. out and uh and show you a good time but man this was awesome yeah uh this was a lot of fun we'll have get- that was a lot of fun um i i have never talked to cliff averill before uh he's fantastic he had a ton of energy a lot of good things to say he was concise. Um, he even kept Solly honest, which is hard to do because Solly will just steamroll you if you're, you're not careful. He
2: looked like he was living his best life. Oh my god, don't, he, in is. Hawaii, just you know, he just had this big smile on his face, he, and <sighs> you know, like, and he deserves it because he had a great career. He had 498 pressures during his career, which mm-hmm. I didn't bring up during the time, but like he was a very good pass rusher, and. Uh, you know, and he came on and talked about what it was like to play with an elite coverage group, mm-hmm. and what it was like to not play with it. He in Detroit; it was touch and go there for for that team. Um, I thought it was great. I, you know, he was he was awesome. Uh, one of our best ones so far.
1: Yeah, that was one of the best conversations we've had. You brought up what I thought was a great takeaway. I'll give you a takeaway that I had that happened at the end of the conversation, which was we've had an opportunity to talk to a bunch of different people in football, a lot of players, some offensive linemen. And asking them who they think the best pass rusher is in, in the NFL, a name that continuously gets brought up is Chandler Jones. And he brought up Chandler Jones again. That's like the fifth time someone said he's the best or one of the best pass rushers. Can you imagine rushers.
2: if the Cardinals could
1: cover? Yeah. They'd actually have a
2: good defense because he's a great pass rusher. <laughs>
1: so th- so there you go. Um, thanks for, uh, for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Monday. Peace out.